This is the first message following our mini-series, The Revelations of the Curse. And today we are going to be talking about the first sacrifice. And the first sacrifice can be found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And it foreshadows the last sacrifice that was made by Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. We oftentimes see imagery of sacrifice within the parables of Jesus, particularly in that of the prodigal son. And the New Yorker magazine had a creative way of conveying the message of the, um, of the parable of the prodigal son in a way that really speaks to Christians, really, uh, oddly enough. And inside of this cartoon that they printed, the father didn't look overwhelmed with joy like he did inside of Jesus' parable. Instead, the party's going on, his son's before him, and the father is looking exhausted, exasperated, worn out, tired. And he's having a conversation with his son, and he says, Son, this is the fourth time we've killed the fatted calf. One illustration of the forgiveness that Jesus Christ taught us to have. When you hear the word sacrifice, What comes to your mind? Some might think of human sacrifice, like that of which the Mayans performed to appease their gods. Some people's minds will go directly to the Old Testament and the sacrificial system that God set in place that required the blood of animals. We as Christians, our minds typically go right to Jesus because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice to atone for our sins. In Genesis 3.21, it is very easy to miss the sacrifice that God made on behalf of humanity. It reads, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Earlier on in Genesis chapter 3, we read that Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together to make clothes for themselves to cover up their nakedness. Now, whenever I read that anymore, I think back to when I was in college. I remember seeing this guy outside the dormitory rummaging through these bushes, and nobody really thought anything of it, and he would pull a twig here and a leaf there, and he'd be stuffing them away into a little pouch, and uh, nobody really knew what he was up to until the next day, guess what? It was Halloween, and the guy was parading around through campus wearing nothing but a pair of tennis shoes, the leaves and twigs fashioned into a garment around his waist, as well as a pair of green compression shorts for good measure. Now, odd. Nonetheless, what's very ironic is that the campus newspaper revealed that this gentleman won the school's costume contest. First prize! The guy wasn't even wearing anything! So it must have been a very slow year as far as Halloween costumes were concerned back then. So wherever you go, you'll probably take note that people are wearing clothes. But they're not wearing clothes made out of leaves and twigs and all that, but instead they are wearing well-constructed garments. That's because leaves were not designed to last. They were not designed to be clothes. The Bible says that the Lord God made garments out of skin. What kind of skin? The skins of animals. Remember back to the creation order of the first two chapters of Genesis. 
prior to the fall, there was no death. Well, God had to put an animal to death. Adam and Eve had never experienced animal death before this moment. This act became the prototype of all sacrifices that would follow. A young atheist once told me that he did not understand how a good God could require his people to present a sacrifice to him where they have to cut the throat of an animal, pour out its blood, and smear it all over an altar. And so, from a biblical worldview, I explained to him the significance of that. And I used a passage, uh, Leviticus 17, 11, which explains the significance of animal sacrifice. Moses wrote, For the life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you for you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. The atheist response was, That sounds barbaric. In return, I said, Yeah, it really is. And that was how God intended it to be. The penalty for sin is death. Thus, only death can bring reconciliation. The idea of sacrifice is certainly not foreign to the other world religions. People used to think that you could make a sacrifice to ensure a good harvest or to bring fertility or to please the gods so they wouldn't become upset with you. It should be noted that in the Old Testament, sacrifices were to be made by faith. They were to be made by faith. In fact, Hebrews 10, 4, inside of the New Testament, says that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So it was not that there was power in the blood of the animals. You had to trust that God was true to his word. The sacrifices were to be made in faith. So Christianity sets a stumbling block before the religions of the world. Other religions say that you can be good enough for God. You can make sacrifices worthy of God on your own. Christians believe that righteousness is dependent on the work of Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and there is no way to the Father but through him. Adam and Eve, they bought the lie that they could fix themselves. They became overwhelmed with shame, so they did what any one of us would have done in their shoes. They, co they covered themselves in fig leaves. Now, have you ever done a double take before where you saw someone that you knew, but they looked just a little bit different from what you're used to and you couldn't quite put your finger on it? It actually happened to me with my wife before we were married. She uh, had her hair done to look the way it was going to look on our wedding day. And her and her friend showed up at my place of employment. And uh, they, they asked that I would come to the front door. So I went to the front door and I saw them. I thought to myself, who are these women? I have no idea who they are. Well, then it dawned on me that they had talked about getting their hair done earlier that day. And it, it, it clicked. It dawned on me that, oh, this is Melissa and her friend. Now, if God were not all-knowing, I imagine that he probably would have done a double-take because Adam and Eve could not hide their sin from him no matter what because he would have been put in a situation where they are covered in fig leaves. 
I imagine that he would have done something like say, well, I'm, I'm sorry, you two, but there's something different about you. I can't quite put my finger on it. You're looking a lot uh, greener than what you usually do. So they were covered in fig leaves. They couldn't hide the fact that they had sinned against God. They rebelled against his ways. Their minds couldn't comprehend the solution to their problem. They were finite beings who had thrust themselves into, any, uh, into a matter of eternal significance. They were not equipped to save themselves, which was why God had to step in. He had exposed their sin, reveal the consequences, provide a way out, and lead them into repentance. This is also what biblical preaching is all about. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The word of God exposes our flaws like a mirror and reveals God's way of dealing with them. As a preacher, this topic is dear to me because I am responsible for making his word clear to you all. I know that when I record a message, I share topics that might make you uncomfortable. But to tell the truth, some topics that I talk about... <laughs> Make me uncomfortable as well, which is the beauty of preaching God's word. And that is what I seek to do, is not to preach things that make me feel good about myself, but to preach God's word. And it is also the beauty of preaching chapter by chapter, verse by verse. That way I can't pick and choose what it is I want to talk about, but rather I look at the scriptures and I preach what is before me. That way, we all have an opportunity to look into the mirror that is God's word and make course corrections in our lives. We become uncomfortable because God's spirit convicts us to embrace the change that he wants to bring about in our lives. A friend of mine asked, well, everybody sins, so what is it like to preach when you know that you sin as well? My answer was, you experience something amazing. You realize that God's sacrifice is not just for everyone else, but for you as well. These sermons are oftentimes the very best ones that I preach. In moments where I feel convicted, I experience the freedom that comes with true repentance. This only happens when you embrace God's word and reject sin. I wish that people who were trapped in sin and who reject God would feel the type of liberation that I have when I preach. When you feel the weight of sin and the condemnation that it brings, but receive grace on behalf of Jesus Christ. I guarantee that it would change their lives. When you confess your sin, you come to realize that Jesus didn't just die for everyone else, but for you as well. In the first sacrifice, we learn that only God is capable of bringing reconciliation. In the last sacrifice, Jesus reconciled the world to God.
I'd like to thank you for joining us today for today's sermon. Again, my name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. We'd love to have you on a Sunday morning. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 in the morning. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.